Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag. And I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right? I mean, no, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there the re-watchingtons bomb and it's full Ooh. and unadulterated cut early drops of cinephobe episodes and so much more said the og pod now is it new or is it old mace i'm glad you asked that it is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old og pod oh. so it's me zach trey Waz, tom i love those guys just like we always were going back to the true hoop days mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic recapturing it and putting it back out we're talking hoops we're talking pop culture and most importantly we're talking for 40 minutes for free mm-hmm. but then another specific patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes funny enough about that og pod you're getting tom and trey on mondays you're getting me and waz aka zosny on wednesdays a means floating in between i'm a floater you never know when you're gonna get a mean in those so you gotta listen to them all and what if i'm not sure what maze looks like because i've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora he's got a weird voice how can i see for myself what this maze character actually looks like it's crazy you don't know the answer to this mm. because it's the cinephobe pod youtube page what the ct5s on the cinephobe pod youtube page you can look at all of us you can get all the og pods on youtube too at count the dings one on youtube at cinephobe pod on youtube patreon.com slash count the dings gets you everything all in one feed you can link it to your spotify and now enjoy the show Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Tom, when you go to an outdoor potluck affair, you know, one of those things where everything is served in large aluminum trays, what is your favorite dish? I don't know why, but the first thing that comes to my head is banana pudding. Oh my God, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say with vanilla wafers. Yes. This is Pack Your Knives. 
I'm Kevin Arnovitz. And I'm Tom Haberstrom. Tom, a melding of the minds. That's insane. Like, that's one of those quantum physics moments. Wow. How did we do that? I mean, I think we both reside sort of in the Southern spirit, and there's nothing better in the world than banana pudding with Milla wafers. And, you know, and they're the right, they've lost, you want them to lose a little bit of their crunch because they're kind of fun when they're cakey, but not too cakey. Yeah. First thing was the the banana pudding. And then in my head was I like, was I, was that a dessert? It's not really what you're going for. And then I went with, I went with that because I was going to go with chicken and maybe some pulled pork, but the banana pudding, there's just nothing better. Mac and cheese is a close second. Yeah. That's a good one. Mac and cheese is a close second. It has yeah, to be I'm, crusty. You're the one who's getting the crust on there, right? Like absolutely. when people are going in, you're not going absolutely. for it. Absolutely. I'm going for a corner, going for a corner, corner kick. 100%. All right, Tom, you know, I, I think Restaurant Wars is sort of the all-star break of 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 Top Chef, right? Like it gets serious. Now we're down. You survived, you know, you survived Restaurant Wars. You're in the top half of finishers in a 15 contestant field. Uh, so here we go. And the quick fire challenge is kind of a fun one because it, it, they basically lay out seven colors of food. Uh, each chef is going to get assigned a color and they must compose a dish with that color so i think it's actually a stealth plating challenge mm. I mean, obviously the stuff needs to taste good but i, I kind of like this challenge because you know i'm a little bit of a sucker for plating i agree with you um because when when evelyn put put her uh her soup down i was like that looks more brown than it is black but how are you going to create that blackness to to the dish it's really hard to do but like there was a certain art aspect to this um, challenge because they already give you the ingredients. There's really, there's no kind of like innovation in terms of the actual ingredients. Yes, you have to put them together. And yes, this feels a little bit like chopped where they give you the ingredients and then you got to make the great dish. Um, so yeah, the presentation, I don't know who, who did you think had the best presentation of all of these? There was Ashley with the yellow, Damar with green, Nick with orange, Evelyn with black, Jay with red, Buddha with white and Luke with purple. Which one, which one popped for you in an Instagram way? I actually think Luke and Buddha, which comes as no surprise. I mean, I think in terms of artistry, I mean, in fact, Luke to a fault sometimes falls back on that. But I, I think those two, Damar's look like the most delicious um, and by the way, I, I think white is kind of a fun color to work with. Um, it has this yep. sort of like the, like the cleanliness of an orchid. You know, it's just it, it's kind of mm. striking. Uh, and I thought Luke did a really nice job um, on on plating. But yeah, that that those would be who I would choose. Yeah, and and Demar's. I mean, in terms of taste, I thought that one was probably the tastiest dish of all of them, just because of the ingredients. And there are a few vegetables that I like more than a charred broccoli. Definitely charred, though. Yeah, definitely charred. Like a raw broccoli. I'm okay with a raw bro- broccoli on a on a crudite with a little dip. Oh, like I'm good God. with that. What is worse than the broccoli florette on the crudite? I'm sorry. At least it has some texture to it. Come on, I'm fine with that. You don't. What? All right. You you prefer a carrot? Yes, I do prefer a carrot. Really? Yes, I prefer a carrot. At least the broccoli has texture dynamics where you have the 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 florette. And- Look, there's no such thing as good crudite. Let, let's just let's just uh, get that out there. There's okay, no such. Okay. It's the most. It's the saddest food in the world, unless you've got like a just one of those French onion dips from our childhood that is just so like where okay, this is a vehicle. It's not a particularly attractive vehicle. It's like a Yugo, but. It, 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 it is a good vehicle for that dip. Um, by the way, I, I would say in terms of taste, I, I mean, I think there's something really a, – a cauliflower au gratin and the cauliflower has been wood-fired like Buddha. Like mm. that's probably going to be yummy. I mean, you know, you slather good cheese on a vegetable and it makes the vegetable – it's kind of like an egg yolk. You know, you can't really go wrong with that. 
And for those who are listening at home who have not had breakfast at Kevin's house, Kevin loves a good egg yolk. He, oh, I when I went over yolk. there, I mean, he, he served me scrambled eggs, but with no whites, it was just the egg yolk. And it was so good. It was so good. Egg white is filler. <laughs> By the way, I, I would also give an honorable mention. I will totally eat gokuchang glazed beets any day of the week. So I love beets. And I imagine Jay's strawberry gokuchang. So he's got like kind of a sweet spicy. I, yeah. I would imagine, that, that's my dark horse. And I wonder, again, you can't taste the food, but in terms of that, um, so this was an interesting one. Like everyone kind of did well. I mean, Ashley and Nick were sort of like, eh, it was good, not that good. So they were on the technical bottom, yeah. but you got the sense they weren't like, they didn't serve up any clunkers, just maybe a couple errors here and there. And then we had Damar, Evelyn and Buddha on the top. Damar is just firing on all cylinders, even with immunity. He didn't go with, we'll get to it later. He got the immunity on this one because, you know, he, he produced an amazing dish. The, the the guest judge Naisha Arrington here, she was flicking her wrist because it was so hot fire. Like the she was overcome with emotion about how good that dish was, Damar. And he's just so stoic. He's so stone faced, and they bring it up all the time that he just doesn't have show any sort of emotion in either direction. He's got this very baritone bass voice, and he's just very even keeled. Um, he's incredible. I feel like Padma and Naisha, there's this energy about Damar that they're just really attracted to because he, he just comes off as I'm just the steely guy who just produces amazing food. I'm never too high, never too low. And he just produces, and he does it here on this one with, with this, um, with this tremula broccoli steak with harissa glaze. And then when you talk about Buddha, it oh, was- Don't forget it, the avocado puree. Oh yeah. That was the thing don't that she was flicking her wrist. the avocado yeah. puree. He is the Barry Sanders of Top Chef chefs. You know, you, you, you get into the end zone and man, Sanders got into the end zone a lot. And you just kind of toss the ball to the ref and you go back. Like there is something beautifully stoic or like one of those coaches, you know, on the sidelines where the team just gets the improbable buzzer beater game winner and everyone's going crazy. It's like, I mean, like Brad Stevens was kind of like that. Jay Wright did the classic one. Jay Wright Villanova won the right, championship right, right. on a buzzer beater and he just turns and shakes the hand of the opposing coach. I mean, that's Jay Wright. So that he gets the Jay Wright award here for just he's he's a cartoon character at this point that he's just not going to he's not going to react. He's just never too high, never too low. He wins the quick fire here. And interesting turn of events. I I can't remember seeing this on this show. Padma just kind of coaching Luke up. You notice that? Yeah, I mean, I have to tell you something. I almost felt sorry for him. It was like a participation award for like the kid who's on the soccer team who isn't like really getting reps because he's terrible. And you still like, like it was almost like, yay, you had the fourth best out of seven dishes. Honorable mention. You got an honorable mention. Yeah. Like, all right. If it was top three, just call it top three. If it wasn't top three, it's not like it's almost like pathetically just again a backhanded compliment it was a pity it was a charity vote it was, it was a charity it wasn't even a vote it was a charity like i don't know consolation prize for the scoring of this episode i did not give him a point or a half a point or a point two five uh for a top three in the quick fire i don't think you got that you can't give him anything like he wasn't no, in the top three. Was here. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't get any points there. So in to remind people at home who are scoring, we do a fantasy scoring system where in the quick fire, if you win the quick fire, you get three points. If you finish in the top three of the quick fire, you get one point. And if you're 
you know, bottom, it doesn't matter. It's just you can only get additive points there in the quick fire. And Luke didn't get any because Luke, you don't get points, Kevin, on pack your knives for just being just bad enough to not finish in the top three. No, no participation uh, trophies here on this show. So Naisha is sticking around for the elimination challenge. Um, Kevin, let's set up what we are about to uh, encounter here in Houston. They're going to pay tribute to Juneteenth, which is a holiday celebrated for the kind of the actual uh, liberation of the slaves. I mean, one of the things that happened is, okay, so some guy in Washington, you know, issues the um, Emancipation Proclamation, but like there's no Twitter, there's no internet. Um, and frankly, there's still a lot of the South still controlled by the Confederacy. And in those places, they don't really give a shit about the Emancipation Proclamation. Um, and in some places, actually, word doesn't even get there for quite some time. I mean, just remember, there is no, there's no functional mail system even um, in, in the Confederacy, which is essentially at this point still, you know, well, it hasn't, it, it, the secession has been turned away. It's still um, Confederate controlled land in many cases. So uh, it was finally, and Galveston did play a, a key role in this, where it finally filtered out to the sort of the last of the territories and states. And that is sort of what it it, it, it celebrates is the actual freedom. The, the, you know, the, there's de facto and there's de jure, and this is the de facto freedom. Right. And we had Kwame, Chef Kwame and Chef Don Burrell who came and uh, for this elimination challenge and they went to Bethel Baptist Church and it's kind of um, – it seemed like a very beautiful uh, almost like transport in time. I remember going to Casa Vieja, Costco Viejo in, in Panama um, and seeing like the old ruins of the old city and it reminded me a lot of that with Houston where this is kind of uh, – it's still standing, this church and – they're doing a tour of it, and then they were able to uh, get the historical elements. They had some soul food there prepared for them, and it was a it was a history lesson and also fitting r- right in with the the soul food motif here for the elimination challenge. So what the challenge was is essentially create your soul food, whatever that means to you. Is soul food your sense of place, your sense of home, your sense of ancestry? Bring it out on this on this dish and this uh, this challenge. And of course, Damar has. Um, immunity here, which is the last round of immunity, Kevin. And I feel like, again, they all produce some really good dishes. Yeah. I, and this is one of those, hey, it's, it's tough to send anybody home, which, which again, happens once you get to the top half of the competition. I mean, by definition, these are chefs who've, who've cooked well enough to make it. And I love this part of the challenge. I mean, look, I, I guess there's some schadenfreude as a chef you don't respect. The, the crash and burn does create sort of a level of trauma. But I really like it when you start having to make the finer distinctions to determine, you know, who was superb and excellent and who was merely very good and therefore vulnerable to being sent home. Uh, it, it's one of those, I mean, we see challenges like this in, in various contexts every season, right? Which is, you know, you're paying homage to heritage, um, Freedmanstown is, is sort of the basis of it in this particular episode. But at the end of the day, the seven chefs are each asked to cook something that, that represents your heritage. Um, and, and which I think is a, is a really cool challenge. I mean, there's not a lot, it's an easy challenge only in the sense that, and I think Ashley said this in the kind of intro to it, which was, Hey, this is a dish I've been making my whole life by definition, the dishes that tend to come out of heritage challenges as we can call them tend to be stuff that is in their back pocket for years, right? These are the, the dishes that they grew up with. And as a result, I think it is a bit easier. And again, other than uh, 
other than DeMar kind of running into a problem on his skillet for his hoe cakes, there really didn't seem to be any snafu. Buddha even said, Tom, yeah. like, yeah, I was done early. I was, you know, the kid turning in his paper and then reading the sports section as I did. Like that was sort of, <laughs> you know, for 30 minutes. I mean, I, you know, the standing in the test early. Nice brag there, Kevin. No, no, you finish I mean, your multiplication tables early and then you also had a newspaper there oh, come at on. your I, desk. What I a- brought, what did you, like, didn't you bring, like, I always brought the paper to school. Because you don't have time to read in the morning because you're a kid and you got to like, you barely have enough time to sit and have breakfast. And so like, I wanted to read the paper. You brought so I, your newspaper to school, like in your book bag? Yeah. Dude, I'm a journalist. That, that doesn't happen by accident. I was growing I grew up on the damn paper. You're so studious that not only did you finish your test early, you did some extra credit by reading the, the day's news in your paper. No, there's no extra credit. I just want to read. It was like, look, I didn't have a commute on a freaking metro train. I just you have homeroom are you you're eight years old with the new york times i didn't like other kids (laughs) not the new york times we didn't get the new york times we we lived in i lived in a very high so i make this distinction right there are book jews and mirror jews book jews have books on their walls mirror jews have mirrors on their walls i grew up in a little bit of a hybrid but leaning mirrors so we didn't get the new york (laughs) times we didn't get the new yorker like we got the Atlanta Journal Constitution and like I think we got USA Today because I needed the stats on Tuesdays and Wednesdays where they did the they did the whole National League on on Wednesday, the whole American League on Tuesday. So like USA Today was actually I don't think it was a particularly great newspaper, but man presentation like they always had the Nielsen's, which was they're great on lists and graphs. And, and if you are a list and graph man, as you are, Tom, there was a certain pleasure to McPaper, which uh, USA Today was known as somewhat derisively, but you know what, McDonald's is good sometimes. So you know, you're, that's you're reading the op-ed section of national uh, publications while I'm just like scribbling like drawings and mazes like on my on a sheet of paper. I grew up loving newspapers, okay. which is how I ended up in this for cocktail industry. Anyway, enough of that. Um, Give me your handicap of the field here. Like, I mean, we're at seven. The choices I thought were really interesting. They were interesting for a number of reasons, right? They were interesting because, you know, you you get to really see the culinary traditions these chefs grew up in. But they're also interesting because it's a strategic decision like any other. I think Buddha making the curry was an interesting choice because although it does pay homage to his family um, and, and the Nasi Lamak, it felt like he was doing it kind of like... I don't know, for the first time. And he mentioned it was a very weird, uh, very strange comment from Buddha when he was talking about this dish. He said to the in the confession, he's like, I haven't made a dish like this on Top Chef before. As if he's an all-star, as if this is like his sixth round of Top Chef. Like, I haven't made this dish on Top Chef before. Buddha, has he secretly been on All-Stars before? Because it seems like he he does have this kind of pedigree on this show that he can say something like that as if he's been on the show for like 17 years. Oh, I just interpret it as like, hey, he's worked through like, at this point, six quick fires and seven actual challenges. It's been 13 dishes and he hasn't done this. By the way, I, I, wanna, I do want to call out um, – the best nasi lemak I've ever had is in a Bornean restaurant in Alhambra, which is just east of downtown Los Angeles. It's in in, in sort of the San Gabriel Valley. There is an actual Bornean restaurant, and Borneo is not a very big place. And they do a delicious nasi lemak, which is you have know, the rice dish, and you have the pandan leaves and the sambal, which wasn't spicy enough apparently for the judges in this particular case. And I love like eggs and anchovies, as you said. I, I like eggs in any form. I love them in savory food, um, in like dinner food, not just breakfast food. And, and then what's better than an anchovy? Um, and so it, it is sort of a little bit of a deconstructed curry dish. Um, and in this case, I thought it sounded like the deconstruction did not serve Buddha well. That's right. 
the whole was not greater than the sum of its parts. And that's that's something that um, didn't get him sent home. And we'll talk about who did get sent home in a little bit. But I thought Nick um, did a really solid job. Um, Ashley, well, we'll, we'll save that one. Ev- Evelyn with the chorizo, uh, Supe with the beet cake. It was... Um, kind of blew the minds of all the yes. judges that she was able to do a beat sulpe. And I think when you're Ev, this wasn't exactly the categorical, traditional, conventional Evelyn dish, but still she is just rolling, man. One is I was quite surprised that she wasn't mentioned as a contender for the win. I mean, when yes. they, they did that. There was only two, you know, two nominees. Uh, the other thing is I, I, I totally love this. And again, I go back to Chef Gregory. Like, this is it is that that umami chorizo saltiness, the sweet pineapple, kind of the herbaceous salsa verde, and then obviously this kind of corn and beet hybrid. Like he, there is something Gregory-ish about her food, and I've said it now three times. But I, 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 she, I in some ways, she is she and Damar are kind of the most underrated chefs. We totally missed out. Um, and and you know she's kind of bubbly, and I, I think sometimes we discount. You know, we although. In this guy, I'm gonna, I was say we just we 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 say if a chef doesn't seem serious that that we discounted in the draft, but Demar seemed very serious. But um, Evelyn is just she's kind of my favorite contestant right now. I will tell you right off, she is my favorite contestant right now. She takes risks. Um, I love kind of her hybrid tendency. Like again, she could have made a plain old masa cake, but she knew it would look prettier. You add this extra component. Beets are delicious. I'm sorry they are. I mean, you know people don't care for them often, but like. It just, I love the choices. I loved the component parts. Again, it feels like a Gregory dish to me. Yeah, Gail called it chef magic. And, you know, she is, she's rolling. And Evelyn, in our in our scoring system, is very strong. She's in second, the most on your team, uh, for good reason. And and Jay, look, Jay wins this episode. Um, I, I kind of felt like she was waiting to break out. Um, she's got two wins here. The the kimchi fish sweet potato puree. Um Tom makes the dad joke of it's soul. It's, you know, soul food. Mm-hmm. Get it, Korea. Uh, capital is uh, South Korea. Get it, get it. And we're we're at this point where Jay, I feel like, is in that tier. I think she has shown the ability that she can win this damn thing. Uh, two wins with this tied for the most of the remaining contestants. Uh, what do you think about her her dish here? Oh, I wanted to eat it so badly. First of all, I just, I, I love fish. And I love when real chefs do fish because it's not a easy, easy to do at home. Um, and it's just so clean and I'm probably on my way to pescatarianism. So I'm, you know, it's, it's wonderful to see that kind of dish. Um, so many fun little, very fun little pieces like the shrimp bisque. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do that. And it just gives it, a, you know, it gave it a creaminess, um, a place to sort of situate the cod. You still kind of capture that, that sort of fish stockiness with you know, the cod, you have a shrimp and, um, you know, and, and then just kind of, you know, topping off with kimchi, which is just a wonderful additive. It, it, kimchi gives you crunch. It gives you vinegar. It gives you spiciness. It's just such a great practical food for more, you know, more composed plates. So it was just like great choices, just great, great choices. This often is, and we talked about it with Evelyn, sometimes the challenge is what are your component parts? And those parts are very, very important um, because they provide the necessities the judges want, acidity, umami, etc. And And it's very much about, you know, it's obviously about your prep and your cook, but in many cases, it's really about the component parts and those who nail it. And it's, it's a weakness, I think, and to segue, I think 
the component part task is a, is a weakness of Ashley's. Totally. And she gets in the bottom here where she mentions the low country crab rice. And when you say crab fried rice or crab rice, it's crab, crab. Give me the crab. And Gail was like, I didn't even get any crab whatsoever. And she does the gravy where Tom criticized it as like you had two concepts and you kind of mashed them together. And one was way overpowering. The oyster gravy was okay, but then it just totally dulled the rest of the dish. And I think for Ashley, like she has a common mistake, which is she she says something in a dish and then it doesn't really come through and it doesn't come together. And I think with this one, that was one of her mistakes is Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. Uh, was, the, was There was just no crap, and it didn't pop. And I think when you have, at this stage of this competition, a mistake like that, I thought she was going home. Kevin, when they describe uh, Luke's dish, I was like, yeah, I mean, but it was it was good. It just maybe didn't have the right, um, didn't have enough uh, uh, fat in there that it wasn't a juicy meatball. Um, but Ashley really did feel like that was the losing dish, that that was the eliminated dish. I really felt like there weren't as many positives about that dish as, you know, with, with Buddha or with Luke. And so I was actually very surprised that Ashley was not sent home here. I, however, probably would have fallen into the Tom camp. I think I would have eaten that all day. <laughs> like, I don't mind the slop. Like, I know it's not a beautifully composed dish and it lacked texture and all the things I'm sure were true, but I have a feeling I would have eaten that. I mean, oyster, what is better in this world than oyster gravy? Oh, confession, Tom. I ate four dozen oysters by myself the other day. Hey, not a confession. That is, a, that is an accomplishment. I want to tell you, the chef at the restaurant, it's a new place in Memphis, he came out to dap me. What kind of oysters did you go with? It was Gulf Coast, and there was um, some Washington State. It wasn't um, Kumamoto, and it wasn't Kushi. I, I'm trying to remember what it was. There's a place here in Charlotte called Sea Level that has like mm -hmm. dollar oyster happy hours. Yes, and that's what I did. 
that's what I did. There's nothing better in the world than just sitting in front of like 6,000 oysters and crushing them. And people are always like, oh, you're going to get sick later. And I have never gotten sick never. in shout out to sea level that it's always prepared nicely. And I just, I can, cr- my dad and I, we sat down, um, we, we polished off 108 together. And the, the restaurant did the same thing. It was like some guys over here did uh, did like ninety nine. These two dudes came in and did ninety nine oysters. And my dad looked at dad and I looked at each other like, "We'll do that for an appetizer." It's like the Joey Chestnut moment. I think he ate seventy hot dogs. Are you uh, mignonette? Like, do you like a cocktail sauce or do you like a little vinegar? Like, no, wh- I'll tell you something, man. Uh uh-uh. uh You just like to slurp it down. I am a purist. And the funny thing is, I only didn't get a fifth dozen because i had to go i had a 6 30 call um and i, I hit oh, happy hour i hit happy hour so i'm gonna go back i'm gonna go back like i'm i'm first of all it's one of the few places this is called fancies it just opened in memphis if we have memphians listening uh, or if you're going to memphis um and by the way there's nothing really extraordinary about the place but they do have the best um baby jim caesar salad i've ever had um and they have just oysters and one dollar Monday through Thursday is 40. That's my thing. Cause like they're like three or $4 when they're not. I mean, you're, Oh yeah. He told me that it's actually a lost leader that he's losing a quarter on every one of my oysters. And I felt terrible. He's like, no, 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 we need to, <laughs> we need to turn the inventory. And I was like, I feel terrible. As you're tipping back the oyster and gulping it down, he's like, Oh, I'm losing it. And you're like, don't care. Don't care. This is delicious. It's the old Yiddish joke. Like he's losing money on every sale, but he's making it up in volume. Wait, wait, Kevin, what was the joint in Memphis you always sent me to? Andrew Michael? Hagen Hominy, was that Memphis? Yeah, so Hagen Hominy and Andrew Michael, same restaurant tours, of the, one of the best restaurant tours in the Mid-South. Uh, they now have actually even more places. They open Mary and Catherine, they open Great Canary, they open Bishop, which ha- specializes in tinned fish. Oh. And I don't know about you, Tom, but I am a big tinned fish man. Yes. And so, and actually I've been doing a breakfast. They also do just a perfect French omelet and that's going to my 11 o'clock midday meal now uh, in Memphis. It's right next to my hotel. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll just take this time. So, you know, I've been eating well in Memphis. Bishop was fun. Um, however, Minneapolis still impresses. It is spoon and stable, I think is one of the five best, um, one of the five best restaurants in America. And then there is a very well-regarded new chef, um, new restaurant called Owamni, and it is Native American food. And they only have ingredients that were here before colonization. So there's no chicken or beef on the menu. There is game. There is bison. There is Mm. duck. There is trout. And it is just a lot of old school grains. And I sat at the bar last night. And had one of the best meals I've had. And, and between Stuin and Stable, and I think this might be my one and two for the season, for the year right now. Minneapolis does great work. Um, and I, I just, I always enjoy my eating here, even though it's freaking 41 degrees. Um, they don't do spring, but they do food. Yeah, how do those local animals survive in the winters up in Minneapolis? That's my question. I think bison are pretty resilient. You know, you see them around Wyoming. They're pretty resilient. I know. I'm just, I just don't want to live in that climate again. You know, we lived in Miami together and after that I've been spoiled. It's why I'm in Charlotte is just because, you know, I can't get too far away from the family up north, but I also, it's, it's beautiful. It's 75 degrees out right now. This is, this is where I'm at. So Kevin, um, I want to ask you about this. Uh, this episode was very odd to me because the editing was different than it usually the, the structure of the episode didn't ring true to how it usually is and I'll 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 explain what I mean. Like coming out of a commercial break they almost like spent like 2 minutes reviewing Nick's dish and Jay's dish 
um, after they already talked about them and then they reviewed them and then they went to like the next chefs and it was just very odd that they did that like summary two minutes of Nick again and and then Tom and Tom and the whole team of, of judges were together and then they were together in the second half of the judging of the eating at this party um, they split off into two groups. First, they were all together where it was Padma, Tom, Don, Kwame, Gail, and Naisha. And then they split off into two groups where Tom and Padma were sep- were in a, in a separate um, crew with Don. And then Kwame and Gail and Naisha were in a separate team and they were eating and judging themselves. And I didn't get that communal, like the six of them are talking about the dishes and it was really cool to like see them all like disagree or what their thoughts and chiming in. No, it, like halfway through, there is this like split where they went into two teams and we didn't get that communal like huddle up, um, which was odd. And I don't know if there was something that happened in the episode that they had to like split them. But the other thing that was odd to me was there was no top or bottom three Like they didn't separate the two groups. And it was very confusing to me because normally we get that even at this stage where there's seven chefs, we normally know who's in the top and who's in the bottom, but they decided to do all of them in front of them. And I was, I was struck by that. Did you? Yeah, I mean, did you notice? And, and it's funny, and, and we'll have to talk about scoring. And I, I usually defer to you on this. I thought that was weird. And my interpretation was Damar, Evelyn, and Nick on the top, or maybe Nick kind of Damar. Clearly, I, I hadn't ranked this just by virtue. And again, I didn't rank them. I'm, I'm by virtue of their commentary. Yeah, right. Yeah. I had obviously Jay number one, Damar yep. number two, yep. Evelyn number three, Nick number four. Buddha number five, Ashley number six, and Luke, who we haven't talked about yet, number seven. Okay. I would have the same exact ranking, except I would have Ashley at the bottom and Luke in that second. No, no. I'm not saying what you would do. I'm saying what I interpreted the oh. judges did. Oh, I, I, and again, I, I can't comment. I'm still saying that Ashley, judging by the judges' reactions, I thought Ashley had the losing dish. And Luke, um, I, I, I was still very surprised that he was sent home, even though he's been kind of uh, a freeloader this entire season of Top Chef. He's just been like somehow latching on to the car and just holding on um, as it as it pulls away. That didn't seem like to me a losing dish compared to the. Um, I mean, mom's maybe I'm I'm biased is that one of the few dishes that my mom made for me as a kid was was meatloaf, and she's not a great chef in the kitchen. But she would always make this meatloaf and she also did a good beef stroganoff. So like that dish, when when Luke came out with it, I was like, oh, that's nice because I have a similar, I don't know, if, if I were going to think of home and what my mom cooked, that would be similar to what I would have done, even though I'm not half, I'm, I'm not a, a, a hundredth of what the chef that Luke is, even though he's uh, clearly a la- last in this competition at this point. But Kevin, um, do you disagree that you thought he... He shouldn't have been sent home. It should have been Ashley. I don't know, and I'm, I'm not. I'm not taking the, you know, the fifth here. I, I honestly, we don't taste the food. We don't taste the food. I will say that if he didn't execute his protein, that is consistent with sending homage, mm-hmm. um, which is you know, and whereas okay, she combined two components that should have been apart. And but I got the sense that the rice was good, the oyster gravy was good. They were annoyed that you know she she left money on the table by not. You know, the, the, she nailed all the prep and she or, or the cook, and then she just kind of threw things together. Whereas he, again, he didn't nail his protein. That is typically a very important um, means of judgment. Um, his sure. cheesy mashed potatoes look great. So he did a um, fricadella, which is just a, essentially a, Nor- a, a Nordic meatball. 
and it didn't have the fat it needed and it didn't have the juiciness it needed and so it was a little too firm um the whole point of meatloaf is juiciness as they said um i didn't eat a lot of we, we never made meatloaf growing up um but uh yeah that that was my interpretation is that you know and i also do think and let I me mean, tell remind me tom have they conceded that in very close contests they do take the full season's output into effect no i don't think so okay i don't think they've ever like said that there's a tie and there's a tiebreaker so i think this was just luke they felt had the losing dish that was it i mean that was sort of the order i interpreted um i don't know how we score it because evelyn wasn't mentioned let's talk about it yeah Obviously, I have an interest in Evelyn getting points for a dish they clearly loved. However, if they don't mention her in the debate, I think the only people you can consider on the top are Jay and Damar. And the bottom, definitely Ashley, definitely um, Luke, obviously. Is Buddha truly – because symmetrically, if it's two top, is it three bottom? You know, Buddha, they were a little disappointed, but I don't think it was like bottom fair, but I will defer to you. Okay, so here's what I did. Kevin, I did Damar and Jay plus five for Damar, 10 for Jay, because I think they were the only two dishes that they mentioned in the discussion for the winner. Um, and Jay obviously wins, so she gets 10, Damar gets five. I thought about putting Evan there, but they didn't mention the dish, and so I'm going off of what they said. And if they truly felt that Evelyn's um, uh, Trezo beat uh, cake was going to get into that top tier i think they would have mentioned it and i will say we did get a lot of emotion from evelyn talking about her dish and it was clearly she lost her grandmother this year and this was her dish and we saw a lot of you know i think everyone on the panel was choked up and i did see that um jay in particular got um Dawn was really struck by her dish and her story and she was getting choked up. And then suddenly Jay's just streaming tears down her face and we didn't get that story. We didn't understand, like there was a little bit, but um, not Naisha. Dawn was just clearly super emotional about Jay's story. And, you know, Evelyn, I thought was going to be in the top three based on the, the reviews of her dish, but she wasn't mentioned in the top. So I just went with two in the top, Damar and Jay. Evelyn in the middle, Nick in the middle. So they both get plus two. And then the bottom, I had Buddha, Ashley, and Luke, Luke being sent home. And I think Buddha. Did they discuss Buddha as a potential candidate for yep. ejection? Okay. So th- that to me is sort of the standard, right? Like if they actually in their deliberation say, consider him as a, even for a second. And clearly it was one of those cases where there was a little disappointment, but he's not going home. But even if they do articulate the fact that he is an initial candidate i'm with you there but you could also convince me the other way on buddha you're just crushing me i mean with that scoring um i had six points this week you had 13 because we got some last chance kitchen oh wait before we get to last chance kitchen did you see kwame's glove i'm not a fashion icon by any what is that what is going on i have no idea I admire him for his um, <laughs> for his uh, sartorial ambition. Hey, that's cool, man. You do you. I, I, I it doesn't hurt anybody. Almost like a medieval armored glove, like a gold glove, but had had like lots of like jewelry on it. I've never seen anything like it. And look, I'm a I'm a white dude, middle aged white dude in in Charlotte, North Carolina. I don't understand what that is. But if you are listening to this show and can explain to Kevin and I what that was. Um, shouts to, shouts to Kwame. That was incredible. It definitely doesn't conform to your vineyard vines look, Tom. <laughs> it just doesn't. My Jim Nance look. Yeah. Yes. 
So Last Chance Kitchen. Okay. By the way, I am now starting to really enjoy. Anytime there's one contestant that gets on a run, it gets fun. Spoiler alert. We're going to talk about Last Chance Kitchen from last week, with which is Jackson and Sarah going head to head. This one, usually we get like 10, 11, 12 minutes. This was like 16 strong minutes of Last Chance Kitchen. That's like a full show, Kevin. Yeah. Like Last Chance Kitchen is breaking into like full show status where Tom is calling in from a FaceTime with Gail and they're chilling at Tom's house and they'd like some takeout food sponsored by BMW and go into your X5 and get out the GPS and ooh, do, 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 do. Very cool. Tom um, says it's a ghost chick. A ghost kitchen and they have to basically make three course takeout menu restaurant wars style in 45 minutes kevin 45 minutes conceiving three dishes in general and doing it takeout is hard enough but they throw the hammer on them which is just you can only have 45 minutes to make this and i have it in my notes like okay really really 45 minutes for this, but Sarah does Jamaican. Insane. Jackson does casual Italian. And I don't blame them for just going to these things that they know that they can do well. Like, oh, duh, Jackson does casual Italian. Well, because he's only got 45 minutes to create three courses. And one of them's a pasta, he decides. Yeah, it was amazing. So Jackson comes in and does the chick does chicken and eggplant. He does the pasta. Um, just incredible that he even pulled this off. And Sarah does the jerk shrimp and shrimp and curry chicken with the coconut salad for dessert. And they bring it over to Gail and, and Tom. And it was, you know, it was a close battle, but Jackson ends up going home. I thought they might bring him back kind of like, um, not to say it's rigged, but kind of like uh, Joe Flamstad where a clear front runner is sent to Last Chance Kitchen, but he's brought back quickly and then he wins the competition. No, Jackson's going home. His loss of taste, loss of s- smell. Um, ultimately, I don't know if it actually sent him home. The fact that he didn't have those senses, I just think he he just hit a wall. It's interesting. I think Sarah has a better than like 5% chance of winning Top Chef altogether. Oh, There's a reason I drafted her early. I think she has demonstrated incredible skill in Last Chance. And also, I do think, we've talked about this in the past, I think once you get down to it, she's the kind of chef it rewards. And um, I think she's creative. I think she knows what she wants to do. There were some execution issues early, but I think that like, I got to tell you, I think she could go up against anybody right now. And I just think once she gets back, if she gets back in, I mean, generally remind me, Tom, it's usually when the sixth or it's usually when the fifth person gets eliminated, the top, the fifth of, uh, then that person plays off with the other, with the contending, cha- uh, the contending champion. That sounds right to me. Yeah, yeah I think that's usually it. That sounds right. So it's either next week or the following week, they're going to bring in the final loser's bracket champion into the competition. That's my sense. Two or three weeks because it's usually the fifth one gets eliminated and we're two weeks away from that because seven got eliminated today. Sure. And then before they even go to the four, they're five again is I think the way it has typically worked or in recent seasons. So who would be your top four? Who would be in the final four for you? I think right now. Let's, let's put Sarah aside. Let's just say the top four of the competition. I mean, I think Buddha, Demar, Evelyn, and you know, Nick is interesting. It would be kind of down to Nick and Jay for me. And I think Jay's ceiling is higher. I think her floor is lower. And so Nick is a steady chef. He doesn't fuck up. He is your classic kind of 
fifth and fourth place finisher where when he goes home, it's going to be for a lack of ambition, not for a screw up. And we've seen this many times, right? Like, and it's not that he's skating because it's really good food, but you get to those points where it was like, like Buddha is going to come out with some artful, amazing, you know, bagel and locks and cream cheese deconstruction. And wow, the chefs, it's going to look like a, a, a just a plated miracle. And Nick's going to give them just a really lovely piece of meat um, that is accented by wonderful additives and it won't be enough to beat like the the true artistes. He reminds me of the Budenholzer Atlanta Hawks where they're going to be really good, but they're not going to have the high upside of a LeBron team, right? They're not going to have the high upside to win it all. And I think if I'm going to produce a final four here on this show, Buddha, Jay, Damar and Evelyn are my top four. And Nick is going to be bumped down. He's he, he can win 60 games in the regular season, but it ultimately when it takes to win the championship, he hasn't shown that ability to hit those notes yet. It's not to say he can't and he won't. I just think he is uh he is just below that that threshold. So we do have something we need to discuss here before we go. I got it. We got a comment here. Mays, our commissioner, can you join us, please? All right, all right, folks. So, Zach Lubarski on Twitter draws our attention to a Reddit comment thread where he said that Jackson's wife has come forward with information that she is responsible for some of his behavior and decisions. Her Reddit handle is Mrs. Kalb. Hi! Jackson's wife here. He didn't watch previous seasons because of me. Oh, wow. He was leaving for eight weeks and every mention of TC, that's Top Chef, you PYK heads out there. Tom Colicchio, maybe. Is it Tom? Every mention of Tom Colicchio brought me (laughs) to tears. I was selfish and ultimately at fault for his lack of, quote, research. She didn't let him do his own research, Tom. That's something I have to live with. It's not a full frowny face. It's kind of a, you know, just the one corner down. Mm-hmm. That emoji. Your thoughts, Kevin? My thoughts are, oh, I'm just, I, I'm devastated for Jackson for listening to terrible <laughs> advice. Yes, Tom. Yes, you're a 17-year-old preparing for the SATs. By no means would you should you look at a practice test. Like, don't, in fact, just go in there cold, right? You're scouting the Miami Heat for a conference final. By no means watch any film of what this team runs offensively and defensively, right? Like, like this is absolutely like what terrible advice. I'm sorry, it's two corners, frown face. I hear what you're saying. And his wife is very much working together at their restaurant, right? In 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 Los Angeles, I feel like they open a restaurant together. So it's not like she doesn't know what not studying for top chef competition would do to his chances of winning. And I kind of feel like maybe there's a little sabotage there that maybe if, you know, he, he comes home sooner. I don't know if the actual ramifications of him getting eliminated, if he's held in that purgatory of last chance kitchen longer or what but maybe she was she just wanted to see her husband home sooner i don't know All right but if you're gonna do it do it i'm sorry that's selfish to me i actually commend her for being honest about this and coming out and falling on the sword and saying hey my bad my bad i actually screwed up that and i'm gonna come out and i'm gonna defend my husband here because i screwed that up so i actually give her a little bit of points 
some some brownie points there. But ultimately, man, that's tough. Uh, Jackson, buddy, I feel bad for you. You not only had no taste of sm- smell, no no taste or smell, but you had no homework done. Yes, you had a spouse sabotaging you. I mean, let's just call it what it is. <laughs> I agree. I appreciate the transparency. It's good for her to own up to the error, but it is an error, Tom. It is, but you know, you're also talking to you. You're on the road a lot, Kevin. I am, and and your partner allows you to be on the road a lot, and so this might be a little foreign to you. Is the idea of like no, 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 but but Eric will not respond by saying, "Hey, Kevin, I know you have game night deadline writing. Don't watch the game. (laughs) (laughs) Just write, like, 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 yeah, Eric. I'm we were disappointed to be apart as long as we are, and I really miss Howard too, my golden. But like, they don't tell me, don't watch the freaking game that you're reporting on. You're right. You're right. Crazy thought for you, Jackson. Just outside the box thinking from me, Mays, the producer who doesn't watch the show. Have you ever watched something without your wife around? Like maybe, you know, your wife has an activity for the day and she goes out with the gals. And then you watch your Top Chef. Or just take your iPad to the John. There you go. Watch it in the shower. Put it in a plastic bag. Wherever you can find time to do your own research, you could have done it, Jackson. And I'm sorry, buddy. It seems like he might have thought of that, but he's got a wife who would would find out somehow. There's a lot of trust there between the two of them that he would not do his homework in his private own time. That is That is a great point. Well, Jackson... One of the more interesting contestants ever on Top Chef, in my opinion, the fact Mm -hmm. that he didn't have taste, didn't have smell, and then had to confess last week in a really curious moment where he kind of maybe knew he was going home and he had to say it. Um, But yeah, also dealing with that other thing, which is he wasn't allowed to even mention the phrase Top Chef before he went to the show. Very, very, very difficult circumstances for Jackson. Well done, Considering all of the stuff that you, the obstacles that you had to jump over, kind of like the hurdles that Don Burrell hurdled over to get to the Olympics, Jackson was jumping over those hurdles and didn't quite get to the finish line at Top Chef. Kevin, down to seven chefs here. No, down to six plus Sarah. Down to six plus Sarah in the Last Chance Kitchen. I think still Buddha is my favorite here. Damar right there behind him. Then I've got Evelyn. It's close. I mean, I, after Buddha's mistakes this episode, it might be just 1A, 1B, 1C, and 1D. I would say 1A, 1B, and 1C. Jay, again, she does commit errors. You know, she's not flawless. I think her, again, her ceiling is really high. I also think that she is prone to some mistakes. She's got two wins, two wins. I know, I know. But, but again, I'm not debating that. Like she will rival the others in wins. The question is, is, she does spend some time on the bottom, unlike Damar. Buddha actually does because he's a real risk taker. But that, that's all I'm saying. I'm not. I love. I love Jay as a chef. I, I just think that yeah, there have been a couple of misexecutions, and you can't afford that. Closing thoughts, Tom. Adma, I don't know. Kind of feel like she's going to be really excited if Luke takes down Sarah in Last Chance Kitchen and comes back into the competition. I feel like Padma is going to get at the pom poms out and really cheer that. She really did feel like she she was just like cheering him on and like it was a charity case. And I'm, yes. I'm I don't think Luke's going to be long for the Last Chance Kitchen world. He's already inside his own head, and I don't think he has the kind of versatility that Sarah does. So. Uh, I don't think Last Chance Kitchen is going to go well for for Chef Luke here. I think Sarah's going to be back, and I think she's going to be a force once she gets the final five. That is my prediction. Agreed. I think she's going to be right in there in the mix. And uh, and by the way, you can build a lot of confidence in LCK. And that's doing it. So that's my final thought for Tom Haberstrom. 
This is Kevin Arnovitz. Anthony May is our producer. And this is Pack Your Knives. <laughs>